0: You're listening to the Catholic Psyche Podcast. The Catholic Psyche Podcast is intended for educational purposes only and is not intended to take the place of medical or mental health treatment, therapy, or diagnosis. You should always consult a trained mental health or medical professional for such treatment. Hi, this is Deacon Basil.
1: And Sheree Trentini.
0: So this is our first podcast with the great Cherie, Um as, <laughs> as uh, she is a marriage and family licensed mar- marriage and family therapist with uh, the practice here, and uh, you know. We're uh, bringing her in and to uh, be a regular host as well. And yeah. you know what is a marriage and family therapist? And I, you know, what we'd like to do today is just kind of go through those questions, talk about you know your specific form of couples counseling and and what that looks like. And um, yeah, so what? Let's start with what's an MFT.
1: What's an MFT? Yeah. Well, specifically marriage and family therapist, and. That's a little bit different than your licensed professional counselor or your licensed social worker in that the education is very specific to systemic work, meaning relationship, how you're in relationship with different people in your lives, looking at a unit as a whole. So not just you as an individual and you're alone, standing there alone in the world with just your problems, but really looking at how you interact with everybody.
0: Right. And and that sometimes um, licensed professional counselors, which is what I am and Chris is, um, licensed professional counselors will work with individuals, and they'll also work with couples, but their focus is individuals. Correct. And a marriage and family therapist, a licensed marriage and family therapist, can work with individuals, yes. but their focus is couples and, and families.
1: Yes. I would, I would say that, at least for licensed marriage and family therapists... Um, usually in their <laughs> usually in their key training and education you have a foundation of individual work along with the couples work so you right. get both right and then i don't know about you but i know many licensed professional counselors who go off after grad school and get training to work with couples and so a lot of times they're just as qualified to work with couples as marriage and family therapists are
0: right, yeah. So I'm in a weird situation personally. Um, this is wild, self-aggrandizing here, but I'm in a situation where I actually do to all of the coursework to be able to, to be an MFT mm-hmm. um, as well. So it's dual licensure, but bureaucratic stuff gets a little complicated. So I, you know, I just didn't submit the paperwork. But you know that is a, that is common as well is to have an LPC MFT together. Um, Or someone who's just individually an LPC or an LNFT. Yeah,
1: absolutely. And if you look at my coursework, I compared it to a licensed professional counselor coursework. And it was pretty much almost exactly the same classes. Yeah. I had as many classes in the same exact ones as those in just a regular counseling program. But it was even a little bit longer. Yeah. (laughs) About another semester or so of coursework that really just specifically focused on couples and families.
0: Yeah. As I recall, the most MFTs don't do groups. You know, they don't do group, mm-hmm. although they can. I mean, but they, that's yeah. that's one of the kind of big situations, the big differences um, between sort of an LPC and an LMFT, mm-hmm. where LPCs don't do group, or excuse me, LPCs do groups. This is a lot of L, P, yeah. all of these different letters. But suffice it to say, what we've got, and Cherie here, <laughs> is a very qualified person to talk about yeah. um, couples and relational Things within couples and individuals and families. Uh, I work in a model of, with couples called the Gottman model, which mm-hmm. is quite different than the one that you do. And maybe one day we'll talk about the Gottman model um, and how it's different from the EFT model. But yeah. can you tell us a little bit about what EFT is, and it, which is your model? I, I jumped the gun on that <laughs> one. But what EFT is and what it looks like and, and sure. what it means and so, so on. So we're
1: not necessarily going into Gottman model versus EFT model?
0: N- not today, no.
1: Okay. I'd love one, to do one that One day sometime. we'll have yeah. a little
0: drag-out brawl about it. Yeah, but, uh, we'll, we'll
1: have a debate about it, right? <laughs> we'll have it, a right? debate, yeah. But, and I would say that a good majority of my initial training as an MFT included Gottman. Right. Um, so typically, I would still even use some of it. Mm-hmm. And it's not necessarily wrong, but would still included in some of the work that I do. Mm-hmm. Um, but EFT basically stands for Emotion-Focused Couples Therapy. and you're like, what's emotion-focused couples therapy?
0: I thought all therapy was emotionally focused.
1: (laughs) And it's it's basically a very structured approach, typically between 8 to 20 sessions. And it was originally started in the 1980s by Sue Johnson and Les Greenberg. And they really looked at how we are made, how we are wired, and human interaction and attachment. And it really kind of gets to the core issues of things. Of how we respond emotionally to different uh, interactions, what people say, what people do, their facial expressions. How does our brain respond to those? Understanding that. And then in the counseling session, restructuring that. Mm. So creating an understanding and restructuring it to a way that makes sense. Yeah. That feels good in a way.
0: So it's, it's very different than... Maybe another model that is like behavioral uh, psychotherapy where it's mm-hmm. like, just stop doing these things and start doing these things. Yeah. Uh, uh, correct me if I'm wrong. Sue Johnson really saw that 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 was very lacking in the 80s and 90s within sort of a, uh, a, co- a clinical model where it was just all of a sudden just like, just do these things and you'll have a great marriage. Yeah,
1: just, just stop doing these things. Right. Start doing these things. And you'll have a good relationship, and which is what a lot of gotten yeah. does yeah. and teaches. And, you know, Sue Johnson really started and saw attachment theory, which was really at that time based towards just infancy of how we understood infants and children. But she realized that even as adults, those things don't go away. Right. Those kind of concepts that we need a secure bond with another individual where we feel safe and secure and that allows us to flourish that allows us to be vulnerable to communicate and understand one another and so she really hit home on that i think Mm -hmm. and just how we're wired and created to interact with one another
0: so it's it's about the emotional um what you call attachment theory Mm-hmm. And I, uh, I think I remember that from grad school, but maybe you could uh, kind of define that a little bit. about what is attachment theory? What does that look like?
1: Attachment theory is really about how we relate to one another, kind of our interactions with another human being. So if you look at an infant, so an infant that is securely attached to their mom is going to reach out to their mom when they're distressed. The mom's going to hear the cry. They're going to come. To the baby, they're going to acknowledge the distress and they're going to try to comfort and soothe. And then the baby is going to go, Oh, that feels nice. And now I'm all better. And now I stop crying. Mm-hmm. And kind of an anxiously attached child or um, an insecurely attached child might cry. And the, the mom or parent might ignore that distress. Or not even distress, but like, hey, look at this, look at that. Right. And they get they the, mitigate the emotions. Yeah, and
0: then the, ex- uh, the lack of attachment. Yeah,
1: they're they're excited and they want the parent to respond, right? Mm-hmm. And the parent doesn't respond. And so what happens is is then the child becomes distressed because they're trying to get the parent's attention more and more and more. And and then after a while, if that distress continues Then the child learns, like, whoa, I got to, like, shut down. Like, apparently this isn't safe. So then finally, when the mom or parent comes back to eventually, if ever, comfort the child, then they push away. Yeah. And they don't receive that comforting and that soothing. It's like they can't, they can't accept it. Mm. And so we still see that in adults. We still see that in marriages and in any relationship as adults, that once I'm hurt, once something comes in, that all those times you didn't hear me, all those times you didn't respond, when I would tell you something made me upset or something hurt me or something made me sad. And now when you try to comfort and soothe me and reach out to me in somewhere else, I don't want it. Now I have a wall. Yeah. Now I want to push you away. Right. And so we kind of see the same thing in adults and in our in our marriages and relationships.
0: I think what we have with, um, you know, Bowlby uh, in the 70s, his kind of insights on attachment theory as it relates back to, you know, um, children. That, you know, there was this sort of arbitrary idea that it stops, you know, at, I don't know, adolescence. Adole- yeah. Um, puberty or whatever. And then, but, you know, it, it doesn't, it doesn't, it mm-hmm. continues on. And that close emotional relationships, or really any emotional relationship, mm-hmm. does have a sort of attachment characteristic to it. Whether yes. that be parent-child relationship, mm-hmm. romantic relationship, um, even, you know, I suppose boss relationship. You yeah. know, boss, employee boss relationship, relationship friendship, 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 it yeah. stays
1: in your parent-child relationship. Um, really any kind of interaction. And you go to it when you're distressed. So it's your normal fallback when you're in distress, when you're triggered, when you're in that fight-or-flight mode, when something doesn't get safe, mm-hmm. or when you're anxious, right? Something can be going really well in a relationship, and it scares you. Mm-hmm. You're like, oh, this is too good, right?
0: Right, I need to push away because I mean, everything is just yeah. wonderful. Yeah, yeah, absolutely.
1: Yeah. And so you, you fall back to that insecure attachment that, you had growing up because it's what you know. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But the wonderful thing about EFT that I love, it really looks at that core again of how we're wired, how our brains have developed and restructures that for us and can guide you into doing and growing into a a different attachment style. So somebody who's not securely attached and, and they get in a relationship with somebody who is, right? They're pretty grounded. They don't kind of freak out if something happens, right? And they learn. They can actually learn to do something different. And so that's kind of even what therapy, EFT therapy does, is that it looks at that and restructures those experiences, helps you gain that awareness of what's really going on, like, how am I really reacting in these situations?
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that's, that's so cool. And I mean, one of the great secrets of therapy um, where you work on any kind of therapy, but you know, you work on one area in particular and it might come out in every other place, mm-hmm. you know, where you start off with, you know, for example, like a trauma, you know, mm-hmm. in EMDR, we talk about it, one trauma, You yeah. can't possibly do every single trauma that everybody has ever experienced, but you reprocess multiple traumas all of you know, by reprocessing yeah. processing one, you reprocess multiple ones all, all at the yeah. same time. And the same thing, when you reestablish this mm-hmm. secure um, attachment with family relationship, mm-hmm. or excuse me, with couple relationships, then you're able to also reestablish that with um, other family relationships as well.
1: Absolutely. And EFT keeps getting more and more research, more and more validation, and not just even treating and working with couples but treating depression, treating anxiety, treating trauma and even even trust issues like infidelity or or lying or addiction and and it's able to do that because in creating a secure bond there's nothing like a secure bond to explore different ways of seeing the world of interacting with it and kind of stepping out of the comfort zone to even maybe even do some of that more cognitive behavioral work um, that really helps with anxiety and depression, right? Or even facing trauma, sharing your trauma with somebody. Once you're in that secure bond, and then all of a sudden you're able to share your trauma and that person reaches out and it's like, it's okay. The healing in that.
0: Because EFT, um, correct me if I'm wrong, it's now being researched as an individual intervention as well and a family intervention.
1: Absolutely. So EFT is emotion focused therapy. Right. And then it's not EFCT, emotion focused right. couples therapy. Right. And it really can do a lot of good work in individual for individuals mm-hmm. in in kind of how it approaches the human person and allows for a secure and safe place that they start to feel comfortable. Right, mm-hmm. and, and exploring things, and maybe feeling safe to kind of let go of some of those old beliefs that create anxiety, right, right? Mm-hmm. or get some comforting or some soothing and get relaxed, mm-hmm. right? Because I find that a lot of times in emotion-focused therapy, the way it's structured and how a therapist is supposed to respond, instead of like CBT techniques. A lot of times you'll find that they're all of a sudden calming down. Like when it reaches the brain, the the person's like, oh, well, that kind of feels good and nice. And I don't feel anxious anymore. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't feel as as powerful or strong or not as scary. Whereas a CBT technique is like, okay, we got to figure out a way for you to not think that way or to change that belief or to change that thought. Right where um,
0: you it. Which sometimes, I mean, as someone who works with CBT quite a bit, um, that, you know, sometimes that's, that looks like you'll be sitting there and people will be like, there's no solution to this. yeah, And you sit there for hours. I mean, you could sit there for hours trying to come up with, um, you know, trying to you know, make a round peg through a square hole. Yeah. You know, it's just, you know, <laughs> but when that person has that, from an EFT perspective, when that person has that secure mm-hmm. attachment, that's when then the uh, then the emotional response or excuse me the cognitive response can can really start to develop and, yeah. and move in that direction and that I mean really reminds me correct me correct me if I'm wrong mm-hmm. but what I think is so cool about that is in therapy the commonality between all interventions whether it's CBT narrative mm-hmm. um, cognitive behavioral narrative straight behaviorism um, EFT
1: solution-focused yeah all yeah. of these is all it's of-
0: the relationship with the therapist
1: absolutely that is
0: the thing that really heals um, mm-hmm. and what's interesting about that is at least in grad school, I was like, oh, okay, yeah, the relationship with the therapist is what heals. Okay, next, you know, and, and I was like, not really that big of a deal, but correct me if I'm wrong. It's the secure attachment that the client has to the therapist, yes. the trust that the client has in the therapist. Mm-hmm. And, and I would say probably that, that, you know, that there is evidence that that's the case. You know, yeah. it's not just the first session and you trust the mm-hmm. therapist completely, but that there has been a developed secure attachment between the client and the therapist that is that healing to a certain degree in any intervention, maybe we just didn't realize that that was so important.
1: Mm -hmm. Yep. So really when anybody comes in, whether it's an individual or a couple, my goal in the first one or three sessions, because it's more than one session, is to kind of work on creating that secure bond. And and it's not fake in any way. Mm -hmm. Like I care about the people that come in and, But kind of creating that safe space where they're not going to be judged, they're not going to be criticized, they're not going to be told they're doing it wrong, Mm -hmm. or, you know, they're no good, or make them feel guilty, like everybody else does in their life. Mm -hmm. We're going to give them a new experience that allows them to be like, okay, well, maybe I can share this with you. Yeah. Maybe I can explore other possibilities. And even even having that different human interaction... Or that doesn't happen. Actually, changes the brain.
0: I think that's that's so cool yeah. <laughs> you know, to, to see that, and and the biology of psychology. You know, um, whether it's the neurobiology, whether it's mm-hmm. the fight or flight response, whether it's you know whatever it is, how how that has really kind of played in. I know that there's, you know, I know if we haven't sold everybody on EFT yet, <laughs> I know that EFT has also um, done a lot of research on kind of what those unsecure or insecure. Um, attachments within a marriage can do biologically to people
1: over time. Absolutely. They have, they've done a lot of research with bringing couples in having them get into arguments and fights and monitoring brain activity and what's being accessed and what's being fired and not being accessed. So this is kind of one of the big things about emotion focused therapy is that a lot of times at home when emotion is triggered, we're accessing the amygdala Mm -hmm. We're accessing the fight or flight response. And when you're in that, you're not, you're not accessing any prefrontal cortex, rational thinking. So that's when couples will find that they say things they don't mean and, and they don't remember. Yeah. And, and then they get caught up in arguments of he said, she said. Right. Right. And guess and what you don't remember? It, guess what? You really don't. Yeah. Because your mind wasn't your brain wasn't accessing that part that can even take in right. what's happening.
0: Yeah, I always say when to clients, when you're running from a saber toothed tiger You need more oxygen to your legs Mm -hmm. you need more oxygen to you know so you breathe heavier your heart rate goes up but you don't need to be digesting food and you don't need to be doing algebra so your you know (laughs) digestion turns off and your prefrontal cortex comes off
1: yeah
0: and that's fine when it's a saber-toothed tiger because he goes away but the tax man Mm -hmm. will eat you the same way that a saber-toothed tiger does (laughs) and that does not go away struggles in your relationship don't go away and it has the exact same biological function yeah. that happens when you're running away from a saber-toothed right. tiger. So, but it doesn't go away.
1: Right. Yeah. It doesn't go away and you remember it.
0: I'm just thinking about this from my experience. Yeah. The kind of the the, the maybe what Evagrius I have to get Evagrius into every everything, <laughs> right? But maybe what Evagrius would call it a demon. But like when I'm in couples work, mm-hmm. I am always amazed at how being scared is behind a lot of the things that couples do Mm -hmm. you know perhaps it's the the man who's like i am scared about something yeah i'm in this fight or flight response because i'm scared that my wife's going to leave or the woman is scared that i don't know my husband's turning into my father you know and going to be the same way or i'm scared and that that is not a behavioral thing that's Mm -hmm. an emotional thing yeah and that's coming out of that secure attachment and then it's Exploding into that fight or flight response. Yeah. And it's not, I'm not yelling at him because I hate him mm-hmm. or her. I'm yeah. yelling at them because I am scared. Scared,
1: Yeah. I'm scared or this is really important to me. Mm-hmm. So I want them to know it's important mm-hmm. to me. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and that's another reason that maybe yelling comes out or the the flight mode right Right. of shutting down oh this isn't safe and I'm really scared of how you're gonna respond to this really important thing mm-hmm. and so I don't want to find out I'm gonna shut down I'm gonna yeah. keep it to myself yeah so then then you have this this cycle and it reaffirms you know those old attachment styles those old beliefs and a lot of times when you get into fight or flight couples go see. See, you did it again. See, this is why we can't talk. (laughs) This is why I can't share things with you. Yeah, yeah. And, And every couple has their cycle. Every couple has, as Sue Johnson would say, their dance.
0: Their dance, yeah. Which their I love. Dance, as a yeah. dancer, I love that. <laughs> I'm sure my wife would love it, too. Yeah. I, I,
1: the emotional I mean... tango.
0: <laughs>
1: the foxy foxtrot yeah. or whatever it is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: see, that just doesn't speak to me, but, you know, yeah. I mean, but I, 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 totally I appreciate get it. it. But yeah, yeah, absolutely. No, I think, I think there's really, you know, that kind of the, the kind of commonality of, of those patterns and I, I mean at least as a therapist sometimes when you point them out to the couple whether that be yeah. you know this is just a commonality of a common sort of you shut down you go in for the emotional kill if you mm-hmm. will um And that this is just the kind of common pattern and then it explodes and you you go for a long drive and, you know, he stays at the house, you know, angry and stewing. Right. That those kind of emotional patterns, Mm -hmm. whatever that looks like, is a common kind of thing. You're right. It's like a
1: dance. Yeah. And a lot of times couples will say, well, I already know what we do. Yeah. Yeah. I already know what we do. It's just his fault, her fault. And then as we get through some EFT work. A lot of times, at first, they'll just say, I already know this. Mm -hmm. And then they'll start to be like, well, actually, I didn't know that. A lot of times, there's so much more going on in the interaction Mm -hmm. than Mm -hmm. you're really consciously aware of. And so that's what EFT does. It slows you down. We really like the present moment because of what you're currently experiencing in the session to help you realize, yeah, this is coming up right now. This this." fear about your dad or this this looks like an interaction with your mom and mm-hmm. what are you used to doing there oh that's not safe I shut down right or the only thing that worked with you know even my ex was to yell
0: yeah that, that might be I mean we're talking in bad terms yeah because uh, that's what we see but they are also in good terms, you know?
1: Absolutely. And I think,
0: you know, I think that for me as a parent as well, like the importance of solid, appropriate, mm-hmm. you know, but solid, secure attachment with my children. Yeah. Will hopefully, by the grace of God, <laughs> develop solid, secure attachments for them and their marriage moving forward.
1: Absolutely.
0: Um, or at least a repair ability mm-hmm. you know, when, the, when those things develop. I think that's just what's just so insightful um, from Sue Johnson. Um, and, you know, you as being sort of trained in both the Gottman and the, and the EFT model, like I'm sure you could see, you know, for me, sure. just in the Gottman, I'm like, ah, oh, this makes perfect sense from a Gottman perspective yeah. and everything else. I remember reading somewhere that like John Gottman said something or said that... Um, sue johnson is the best therapist um the best couples therapist in a generation which is really awkward because his wife um, julie gottman <laughs> was right there um, but you know and, yeah. and she's a she's a couples therapist as well but you know i think i think there there really is something to this this idea of this attachment you know kind of looking at those more extreme cases mm-hmm. um, extreme cases like an affair yeah um or Absolutely. domestic violence mm-hmm. um how does eft what, what's kind of the prognosis if you will with EFT versus maybe just an older type of therapy yeah
1: so there's actually been a lot of research done on that because uh-huh. of, you know I'm sure Sue Johnson wants to be like this is how effective it is and uh-huh. Uh-huh. what they find is is most other former therapy for couples uh-huh. the effectiveness rate is about 30 percent.
0: So so meaning you get 100 couples to go to therapy, okay. only 30 of them will be effective in some Yeah, in effective
1: some in improving their relationship. Yeah. And that's a very small amount, So, right. which is, you know, I know many, um, I would say, tenured therapists who've been in this field for 20, 30, maybe even 40 years, and they won't work with couples. Yeah. Why? Because if 30 out of 100 couples you see only got better... Yeah, it's it's exhausting. Yeah, absolutely. And it's not really rewarding, or you don't feel like it's working. And Sue Johnson actually found that the success rate with EFT is seventy percent. Right. Which is huge. It's a huge difference. And so, not only do I see the difference in having been trained in and using it in my work, but I know many therapists. It's like I'm not going back. Right. Like this is fabulous. I finally feel like I can work with couples again and actually get somewhere. Yeah. It's actually very structured. So you you know when a couple comes in, you know what to do. Yeah. You know how you're going to interact with them regardless of what they're coming in for. Mhm.
0: Mm-hmm. So you don't have to be a specialist in every little area. You're a specialist in relationships. Yeah. That when they come in. Yeah. And and I think that is a a statistic that bears repeating:
1: mm-hmm. most
0: couples therapy is thirty percent effective. I think Gottman's like sixty six, okay. but EFT is seventy. Yeah, you know? and, and and I think that honestly, from what I've read, is a little low. I've heard it as high as um, eighty yeah, percentage sure. in different studies. You get that variance, but mm-hmm. in there. but um, you know that that's just so important to kind of keep in mind. So this is you know not just the EFT or the uh, psyche pet podcast. This is a Catholic psyche podcast, yes. and, um, you know. <laughs> the faith is always present for us. And and I think, but, but in an explicit way, how does the faith kind of relate into this kind of insight of EFT?
1: For me, um, and one of my personal passions is theology of the body. (laughs) So when I got my training and saw the humanistic approach, saw the kind of the holistic approach of looking at how as a human person, we're created and designed. And so a lot of times in EFT, we'll say things and it'll hit the mind and brain. and It'll be like, wow, well, that kind of feels good. It yeah. kind of feels nice. And it's because it's really looking at how we're created as human beings. Mm-hmm. And it's not going against any kind of Catholic teaching of how we're created in the image and likeness of God. Mm-hmm. It it kind of really rings true. And I would say that EFT is, is more Catholic than they think they are. <laughs> right, 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 absolutely. It, in that complete sense of how we're created and how we're even designed to love and be loved. I think that's, mm. that's the key.
0: That there's a deep emotional connection between man and God, mm-hmm. or an individual and God. Yeah. And that comes out, in the relationship mm-hmm. as well. Um, yeah, that that secure attachment is present um, through prayer and yeah. through life in general. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, sometimes when horrible things happen to people, the real the existential crises of it yeah. is that it feels like, although we know it's not, but it feels like there's a lack of secure attachment to God. Right. Like God has abandoned us.
1: Right. And yeah. remove that secure attachment. You'll, you'll hear... I hear from a lot of people, well, I don't feel connected to God. Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. I don't feel close to God. You hear that a lot. And really, we are designed to be connected and close to God. Mm. You know, God wants us and desires us and wants to create that secure bond with us. But it takes time Mm. and it takes effort. And it takes us going and being open and vulnerable and being like, God, this is who I am. Here's me. Can you take me? Wrap me in your arms. Hold me tight. Hold me tight. Yeah, absolutely. Hold me tight and and pour your love down on me. Pour your safety and security on me. And then we learn to go do that with somebody else. Mm. Right? And you know, when you think about growing closer to God, a lot of times that includes Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm self-awareness. And so the more we learn about ourselves, the more we learn about how we react and how we desire to be loved, we we get closer to God. Like, He shows us those things. And so, so really it, in a lot of these terms I'm using, it sounds like what the goal is in EFT when couples come in. Right. God, who is love and who's open and willing to give us his perfect love, he's there waiting to give it to us and, and to teach that to us. But sometimes we don't we don't know how to receive that. We don't know how to interact with that. And so even sometimes when couples come in or even especially individuals, kind of sometimes really go in deep with this concept with individuals of, okay, what's, what gets in the way mm. of me being able to have this kind of connected, secure relationship? Sometimes we go into, well, what was it like with your parents? And then I'll even ask, well, what's it like with God? Right. And a lot of times they'll tell me, well, it's the same. Well, let's start there then, because if nobody else is safe in your life, maybe we can create some safety with God and you can learn a new way, create a new attachment there, a secure one, and then go off and do that with another individual, maybe with your spouse. You know, we talk about, I'm sure you've talked about the triangle, Mm -hmm. right? Where at the top is God. Um, two opposite ends. It's husband and wife, and as you both see God, you both grow in a relationship with God. You're able to have a closer, more intimate, secure relationship with each other.
0: Yeah, yeah, and that it that it bonds you together.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, that's so cool. Yeah, I, I think the one question that really comes up for me yeah. um, that I think people might be asking is, how do we know if our relationship is bad enough, which is not a good way of putting it at all, but it's a question that I hear on a regular basis yeah. on airplanes and, um, you know, um, out in the world and everything else at Starbucks baristas uh-huh. and so on. They ask, how do I know if my relationship yeah. is bad enough for couples counseling? And, um,
1: yeah. or it's not that bad. It's not I, that bad. I don't yeah. need counseling. Right. Right. And, you know, that's very true. In, in fact, what I found is the couple, or at least one person in the relationship who says that, That tells me that most likely you really do. Right. (laughs) And in that I find that those couples or those individuals who look at their relationship and be like, well, we really don't have too many issues. Like there's some stuff that comes up, but it's really not big. Right. And a lot of times what they're doing is because they believe, okay, well, we can't have big issues. We can't make a big deal out of it. So what they end up doing is they end up not communicating about it. Yep. Or they try to stuff it down. They try not to bring it up or make it an issue. And what happens over time is it builds and builds and builds and all of a sudden it spills out. There's a huge wall between the couple. They really never learn to really work things out to communicate in a way that the at the end... You can still disagree about something, but feel connected and understood. Right. I would even, I would say that if you're a couple who has a disagreement about something, and at the end of it, even if you don't raise your voice, even if it ends amicably, that you walk away either thinking that he or she didn't understand you, or just even slightly misunderstood or it's not really resolved you're probably a couple even if it happened once that could use some eft
0: yeah absolutely
1: and and that's just kind of the basics because what happens is once something goes unresolved you remember that that's kind of like a relationship wound i would call like it's just like maybe one little scratch mark but the more it happens the deeper the wound becomes until all of a sudden your partner could say hi, or make the slightest face, and all of a sudden it feels like they punched you.
0: Right, right.
1: And you're like, well, where did that reaction come from? And you're like, well, remember seven years ago when we had that argument about dropping the kids off at school or something like that? Right. You didn't understand how busy I was. And then I tried to not make it a big deal. It
0: was a big deal. But it
1: was a big deal. Yeah. Or are you I so are you picking up the dog's poop or right. <laughs> or changing the diaper or doing dishes, right? I hear couples all the time, Well we just fight about minor things. It's not a big deal. The dishes and cleaning up and it's actually a really big deal.
0: Right. When that attachment doesn't, yeah, doesn't re- resolve, yeah, or come back and be strong, yeah, no, I think it's, I think it's so necessary, and I think you know the needs for professional help. I mean, the way in which I talk mm-hmm. about it, and I'm curious what your thoughts are on this. Is you know if there's Usually, with therapy, someone is particularly interested. You know, in couples yeah, therapy, one absolutely. person is usually interested, and the other person is not. I used to think it was the woman who was particularly interested in couples therapy <laughs> and was kind of dragging the man along. And I'm not sure that that is the case. Mm-hmm. I think that's a you know a, a stereotype for you know not always accurate. Yeah. Um, and what I say to couples is come for three sessions. Yeah. And after that, you know whether this is worthwhile or not and Mm -hmm. have a conversation with it with your therapist. Yeah. You know, um, most therapists, if they're, you know, stable Mm -hmm. themselves are not going to be, you know, crawling up into a ball because you decide to terminate. Right. You have the right to terminate, at least in the state of Colorado and Wisconsin, Mm -hmm. you have the right to terminate (laughs) at uh, any time. And so, um, you know, just go for a few, two, three sessions and see what it's like. And if it's not a benefit, then it's not a benefit, but you've always tried.
1: Right. Yeah, and I have usually a three three session roll or three yeah. roll for anything you want to try that's new. Right. Just because we we like what we're familiar with and what we know. Yeah. And in one and two tries, it's not necessarily familiar. Right. Right. So a lot of times the the partner that will be more interested in therapy usually has been to therapy and they know what it's like. Yes, and, and like, benefited And benefit. Yeah. yeah. And. And so you'll find that. And kind of one other point I'd like to make about who should come in. So Sue Johnson's done some statistics about the couples that come in and she finds that couples typically wait anywhere between six to eight years of the problem existing, the negative cycle existing before they come in for therapy. And at that time, they're so entrenched in it. It's, Now you're digging up six to eight years of old arguments, old hurts. Yeah. And it's a long process. And it's a long journey. And so, you know, it does. It starts with that little argument.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's really, I mean, scary. Six to eight years. And, and, you know, I think sometimes it can be helpful just for couples to have a couple's therapist. Maybe they don't see them for years in between sessions. But just one that is kind of there, you know, start a few and Mm -hmm. then kind of, you know, have that, have that in your Rolodex. People don't have Rolodexes anymore, but you know, in a Rolodex, you know, ready to go when that comes up. When something comes up, Um,
1: I would even suggest that a couple seek counseling, even at any major life event or life change. Yeah. So that can include, heck, when you get married. Yeah. When you move in together, Yeah. when you have a baby, when you have your second baby or third baby or how yeah, many absolutely. children you have, each one of them, because it gets different after each one, um, I would say even a job change, or I've even seen couples have a hard time adjusting after one individual changes hours that they work.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Where it was a midday shift, shift. now it's an it's evening an, shift. Yeah. Evening
1: shift. And now yeah, all right. of a sudden they have a hard time connecting with each other and making that work.
0: So because the secure attachment of the past is no longer yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And they're
1: not taking the time for it. Or or even a major move to a different city or a different state. Maybe they don't have the secure attachment of family they used to have. Yeah. And now everything gets really scary or they don't have their friends or old job. Now all of a sudden, whoa, this relationship seems a lot scarier. Yeah, absolutely. And so I see that. Or even a death in the family you know have a couple come in because it's important about how they they understand and process and connect through that grief or i would say even illness cancer any major serious illness to seek counseling as a couple because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. it's all about that secure bond and how that couple is going through that together
0: absolutely absolutely I know that we have some listeners from all over the world yeah. um, and uh, it's really fun to look at the analytics of where people <laughs> listen from, but um, you know, from people all over the world where EFT is a particularly Canadian and American style of couples therapy sure. it's certainly taking off in, um, and there's a lot of training institutes in Europe, um, mm-hmm. but it is, it was developed only in the eighties and nineties here in, in, um, in the Americas and yeah. in, in North America. Um, and it's, you know, might be a little rare to find, a mini-FT trained therapist outside of Mm -hmm. uh, sort of large uh, metropolitan areas, um, even here in the States. So what would your recommendation be um, in that regard? um, Is there maybe some materials or something that are available um, that might start the process going for either individuals um, seeking therapy or for therapists Mm -hmm. themselves?
1: Yeah, so individuals seeking therapy specifically in an EFT format, and this can be individuals or couples. Mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm. Um, I say individuals because I'm an <laughs> LPC, but yeah. Yeah, yeah.
1: and I, I would say that a good resource is even going to the um, Emotion Focused Therapy website. Yeah. And they will have all their certified practitioners on there for you to research per, per state. Yeah. And so that's kind of the America side to it. Yeah. And I would even say that.
0: And, and that link is down in the show
1: notes. Good. Yeah. Awesome. And I would even say that if it's somebody not local, then, you know, the second best thing is video. Yeah. And, you know, for me, I would prefer to do video than to go to somebody who's not emotion focused trained, especially okay. for couples. Yeah.
0: Yeah. That's an interesting as thought, in the, in, and you work with video. Yeah, I um, do. You know, with couples doing video uh, mm-hmm. therapy as well, and I mean, obviously, face to face is by far the best. But yeah. Video is pretty darn close, and and the research bears that
1: out. Absolutely. I'm sorry, I'm trying to sell. Yeah. I'm trying to sell no. myself on this. But, you know, <laughs> go ahead. No, I I work with a lot of a lot of my couples have been doing a lot of online work, uh-huh. um, just because, especially for couples with kids. Yeah. You know, they. They can't get out after work in the evening because they're just putting their kids to bed or else they have to find a babysitter. Yeah. And so going into their kitchen or living room after the kids are to bed and getting their therapy is the most convenient way. Yeah, yeah. And sometimes the only way yeah, to absolutely. get a couple with, with children um, into therapy. So, But I find that it's still very effective in some in some cases – I would even say it creates a comfortability for the client because they're in their own home, mm-hmm. they're they're comfy in their couch or whatever they're sitting on, mm-hmm. and so they're more relaxed. Yeah. Um, the only time there's a downside is when their kids are still awake and running around and yep. they get distracted. Yep. So and you
0: have this real close emotional attachment, and then you have that kid you got to get take yeah
1: care yeah. No so,
0: but that you know, I suppose with the age of the cell phone, that can happen even in you know. Even in session, now in the office. Right?
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely.
0: Yeah, and and that is a really interesting, you know, kind of concept of
1: mm-hmm.
0: breaking down the geographical boundaries. So if you're in the state with someone that's licensed or if you're licensed mm-hmm. in a different state where, you know, I'm licensed in other states outside sure. of Colorado as well, that, you know, you can do this kind of EFT model mm-hmm. with someone across, you know, across the the, the world really yeah um,
1: absolutely as
0: long as it's legal and, and we always are worried about that kind of stuff but i think that's so important
1: mm-hmm. yeah and so that's that's something too. when you're searching for a therapist you know some therapists in some states allow you to do international work mm-hmm. and so it just kind of depends on where the therapist is located and how they're licensed if you're across the country or and right. you know in europe or somewhere else and Um, But there's always options, and worst comes to worst, Sue Johnson has some great books out there. It doesn't give you quite the experience therapy will, so the books aren't meant to replace therapy in any shape or form. Right. In, In fact, you know, most couples come to me they're like well give us something to do sometimes even before they see me they'll be like well can you tell us something to do in the meantime before we see you right and i could give you all the tools in the world all the homework in the world but it's not going to create a new experience for you because when you go home and the motion kicks in you go right back to old habits into that fight or flight and then anything you've been told well don't do that don't say you use right. I statements don't get defensive right don't right. criticize
0: we'll yeah, of course
1: <laughs> don't shut down right um, you're not you're not gonna think of it right.
0: right I do I mean I I'm curious your thoughts on this but her book in particular hold me tight mm-hmm. um, hold me tight which I think is just a and the link is down in the in the in the show notes here but you know hold me tight is just such a brilliant kind of Primer about EFT yeah. in general, but I think it also just gives that real sense of um, what it is, and and can be very effective. Um, I, I I refer it to all the couples that I'm preparing for marriage.
1: Sure, they have to Absolutely. read that, and they
0: have to read the Seven Principles from the Gottman. You know, mm-hmm. they have to read both of those because they are very different, um, yeah. and yet can point to the emotion behind the the, yeah. the relationship, which is just again so important. Mm-hmm. So yeah, um, hold me tight. I yeah, I love well. Hold
1: Me Tight. Um, I think it's great for couples. I don't normally recommend books when I'm working with couples that are extremely entrenched in a negative cycle. Right. Because it's not going to work.
0: Right.
1: So all, all those couples out there that think they can get a book or fix it on their own. Right. Um, isn't going to work. Right. It, it's just not. And But I will recommend the book. If I'm working with a couple and they come in and without too much guidance, they're able to connect. For those who are recommending something, yep. don't just recommend a book. Right. Like, oh, you're having some communication problems in your relationship. We'll try to, I've heard this really great book. No, I referred them to a therapist because right. the book isn't going to help guide them out of their habits and old behaviors. Yep. Yep. It, it's just not.
0: Well, just think about. I mean, there have been books that have really moved me.
1: Sure. But have yeah. they
0: radically changed the way in which I relate to the world? Sometimes. Yeah. But those are the exceptions to yeah. the rule.
1: It's kind of the rare occasion. Yeah, right? rare occasion. And
0: maybe there's one or two insights from <laughs> each book that I'll take, you know, mm-hmm. and, and apply elsewhere. But they don't have that radical life change, right? Life mm-hmm. change you um, experience. Um, and then, you know, I think the other key, and and I don't know how often I have to bang this drum, uh, but <laughs> it is uh, to have a trained therapist, either in EFT, mm-hmm. if that's what you're seeking, or, you know, a specific modality, you know, mm-hmm. I think I don't call myself an EFT therapist because I've only read one book on it. and I'm, mm-hmm. You know, it's not really an intense kind of thing, but I think sometimes there's this attempt to say, Oh, I, as a therapist, Oh, I saw that YouTube video. So I get EFT or yeah. I get Gottman or I get, you know, it's no, you don't, yeah. no, you don't. For so. somebody
1: who's been there. Cause yeah. I've definitely been there. Right. Right. <laughs> of like, Oh yeah, I've learned about EFT yeah. and I really like EFT and I try to use it. Right. And then I went and got trained and now I'm like, Oh, Yeah. I had no idea. Yeah. yeah. Like, yeah, I I had some sort of idea about what it looked like. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, And so for those who, for those therapists that might be like, yeah, I'm a marriage and family therapist and I do two work, I would call and ask them, okay, well, what does your training in that look like? Right. Is it just a modality that you really like and have done your own research for? Or is it something you've actually gone and seek training in?
0: Yeah, yeah. And and, and there's a lot of different trainings that are available out there. So,
1: absolutely. There's um, different levels yeah. of training for EFT. And for me, at least, I think anybody who's even gone through that first level kind of intensive training is going to be better than somebody who hasn't received any at all.
0: Yeah, in a specific EFT. Yeah. Yeah, Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I, I just saw the time, yeah, and we should probably end it there uh, for our <laughs> listeners. But um, this has been just a wonderful experience about getting to know EFT a little better um, yeah. and getting to know how you work with EFT. And you know, again, notes—the show notes will have all sorts of resources down there um, for people. Yeah. And uh, yeah, you'll be on the—we'll have you um, on as a regular host as well with the other, mm-hmm. uh, the other three of us and. Um, you know, I'm just so thrilled to have uh, you know, that perspective. Um, well, thank you, so.
1: Deacon Basil. I, I look forward to talking with you more.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> All right. Well, have a lovely week, everyone. Ciao.